you asked for. <laughs> uh, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's quite unbelievable, really, isn't it? And what and what are going to be the main then economic um, implications of um, a, a Kashida win on the on Sunday? I think it allows Peter Bull to be um, more. Um, settled and more confident but uh, it, i think already um once we get the uh the elections behind us then the government could be a little bit more uh, uh brave in opening up the economy so it's fine throwing money around but what we need is normalization after this pandemic and so from monday bars and restaurants were allowed to open but there are still limits on it because the government seems to think that if we have alcohol in our bloodstream that we're more likely to catch the uh, the disease which is a little scientifically that's a little bit beyond me but um but i think uh, what we need is the go to eat and go to um go to travel particularly that were the campaigns under uh, Suga, which were he was very unlucky with those but i think the uh, the thinking is precisely right is get out go and live your your lives here in um in most of asia we're safe as houses so the uh, uh, the deaths from uh, covid in japan have been 93 percent below deaths from uh, from influenza um so it's sort of politically correct to say it's a frightening disease but the truth is in in asia it really hasn't been Okay, Nick, well, let's catch up again after the election. Thank you very much. That's Nick Smith. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And in Japan, uh, the Nikkei 225 up 1.5% at the moment. And that's it for me from Money Talk this morning. Do please tune in again tomorrow morning at uh, 8 o'clock. Pardon me, having a, a coughing fit here. Uh, back chat's coming up with Jim Gordon, Ada Wall. In just one moment. The weather forecast, sunny periods. Maximum temperature around 28 degrees. Sunny periods in the next couple of days. And one or two rain patches in the morning. Temperature right now, 23 degrees. And 70% relative humidity. 8.32, here's Barry Walk with the half-hour news. The Security Bureau has rejected criticism of the national security law by Amnesty International after the Human Rights Group announced that it's closing its two offices in the SAR. A bureau spokesman said allegations that the law erodes freedom are inconsistent with the facts, adding that the legislation includes safeguards for human rights. Richard Pine has more on Amnesty's move. Amnesty says in a statement the decision was made with a heavy heart. Anjula Maya Singh Bice, chair of Amnesty's International Board, says the national security law has made it effectively impossible for human rights organisations in Hong Kong to work freely and without fear of serious reprisals from the government. She also says in the statement, the environment of repression and perpetual uncertainty created by the national security law makes it impossible to know what activities might lead to criminal sanctions. Amnesty noted that at least 35 groups have disbanded since the law was enacted last year, including some of the city's largest unions and activist groups. The United States has announced new requirements for foreign nationals travelling to the country by air. The rules, which are effective from the 8th of November, mean that most travellers to the US will have to prove they've been vaccinated and provide a negative test. Restrictions on travellers from China, India and much of Europe will also be lifted. Ned Price is the State Department spokesman. As of November 8th, foreign national air travels to the, to the United States will be required to be fully vaccinated and to provide proof of vaccination status prior to boarding an airplane to the United States. This policy puts public health first. It is consistent and stringent, protecting U.S. citizens and residents as, the, as well as those who come to visit us. 
Because it puts public health first, exceptions to this policy will be extremely limited. Primarily, children under the age of 18 and certain individuals from countries where vaccines are not yet readily accessible. The electric car maker Tesla hit a market value of $1 trillion. It's the first vehicle manufacturer and only the fifth company to do so, as the BBC's Michelle Fleury explains. Tesla joins an elite club of companies whose market value has crossed the $1 trillion mark. Others in this group include Apple, Microsoft and Google's parent company Alphabet. Amazon reached that threshold in January of last year, 23 years after becoming a public company. Tesla has done it in just 11 years, boosting the net worth of its founder and CEO Elon Musk. It also became the first car maker to reach that threshold after receiving an order from Hertz for 100,000 Tesla Model 3 cars for its rental fleet. And finally, Burmese military authorities have again condemned the regional bloc ASEAN for excluding their leader from a key summit this week. A spokesman for the junta said ASEAN had instead invited a representative from the foreign ministry to take part, but he cast doubt on that happening. More news on the hour from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Jim Gould and your co-host today is Ada Wong. Good morning, Ada. Good morning, Jim. On this morning's programme for our main topic, uh, we're looking at uh, proposed changes to the legal aid system. LegCo's uh, legal services panel will examine a government paper this afternoon proposing that uh, legal aid recipients in criminal cases will no longer be able to choose their own lawyers unless there are exceptional circumstances. The planned revamp has come after lawmakers said the system had been abused. In future, the director of legal aid would assign lawyers to defendants and nominations would only be accepted in cases such as when the lawyer concerned had already represented the defendants in lower courts. The paper also proposes lowering the quotas of legal aid cases that lawyers can undertake and further limiting the number of judicial review cases they can take on. After 9.15, we'll be discussing the discovery of a new marine life species in Hong Kong waters. Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. And this morning, uh, for our main topic uh, on the line, uh, we have uh, Priscilla Leung, Business and Professionals Alliance lawmaker and associate professor at the City University's School of Law, and Michael Davis, a global fellow at the Woodrow Wilson International Centre for Scholars in Washington and a former professor of law at the University of Hong Kong. Um, Priscilla Leung, perhaps if we could start with you, uh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, now, th uh, this is an issue uh, that uh, you've been uh, concerned about for some considerable time, haven't you? And, and so you must be uh, fairly uh, well pleased to see this uh, proposal now being put, uh, now being come forward for consideration. Yeah, I am. Uh, thank you, Jim and Ada. In fact, uh, when I joined the Legislative Council in 2008, my first motion debate was on legal aid. Um, I, I have been uh, teaching at the University City U Law School for uh, more than 20 years. In, uh, in, in this period, I received a lot of complaints from uh, our lawyers' friends, as well as from the uh, fellow citizens, that the legal aid system did have some defects. And uh, for lawyers, in our lawyer circle, 
there have been a lot of complaints that the pie of legal aid uh, is not fairly distributed. And many experienced and senior lawyers may not get the chance to have um, a fair contribution for legal aid cases. Uh, whereas for fellow citizens, uh, in fact, um, many of them may not be aware uh, of who and whom are good lawyers. And sometimes they are attracted to go into a case to apply for legal aid, uh, whereas that there's sort of a team of lawyers waiting for them, and at the end they might need to uh, pay up uh, their time, energy, as well as, uh, unfortunately, some cases may have been involved in, uh, in a political situation that actually the uh, parties themselves uh, uh, did not expect. So um, these kinds of uh, problems got more serious in recent years. And uh, we actually did examine whether there is a chance to learn from the public hospital that lawyers got roster system that it would not be tempted they would not be tempted to always encourage some ordinary citizen to initiate a case to go for legal aid and uh, in order to increase their number of cases of their own firm whereas there is a need for legal aid for those who are really in need we i support legal aid that's why my first motion is to ask the government to lower the threshold so that even middle class may have the chance to apply for legal aid. Uh, Ada and Jim, maybe we are of the same class. We, we have so many friends who we, would like to initiate a court case, but they dare not, even law professors, because the court cost in Hong Kong is just too high. But we are not qualified um, to apply for legal aid. So legal aid really needs to have a fairer system for those who are in need to get uh, the justice in the eyes of the court. So I think the present reform um, served the purpose to, um, to have a fairer uh, distribution both for um, the cases and for the training of different lawyers. At the same time, uh, the, the decision maker would not have a stick in the case. And, and I think that would be, um, that this is an improvement that we would like to see. Um, Priscilla, um, how, how would you ensure that um, this, n these new measures, this overhaul, would not compromise the rights and interests of legal aid applicants? Uh, I think uh, you, you say uh, how, I would not guarantee. We need to um, uh, trust the system that legal aid um, should be a fair and statutory body to handle this distribution. Lawyers also have to trust them, right? And they receive complaints. The proposal is not initiated uh, by the government, nor by the legal aid department, in fact. It has been initiated really by us. Uh, not only me, but I was the first one who, who moved the motion on legal aid because we found that there have been too many problems. And they also, they are subject to our monitoring. We would check and balance whether the fund is fair, uh, whether too much funding has been allocated to similar kind of cases, and, and, and whether uh, a certain 
firms will have more cases than other firms who are equally qualified, or uh, whether chances of training to different lawyers is very enough. For me, I actually really use uh, adopt a fair eye because my graduates have solicitors and barristers. They all practice different area of law. Uh, so far, if legal aid is the biggest, is, the, is one of the biggest pie from public fund, either to help the needy as well as to give a chance to lawyers. Okay, uh, Michael Davis, uh, good morning to you. Hello, thanks for joining us. Uh, you're very familiar with the uh, Hong Kong legal system from your years at the University of Hong Kong. Um, what do you think of uh, Priscilla Leung's argument that we need a fairer legal aid system? Well, I, I think the, the main thing that, that what I'm hearing from, from lawyers who are involved and so on is that it's not so much... The legal aid isn't so much about distributing the pie of legal aid among lawyers, but serving the the applicant, serving the community of people who require legal aid services. And I think uh, one of the aspects of that, and I know it myself, I was actually a former public interest lawyer before I became a teacher. Uh, and one of the things I, I noticed was that you need lawyers who are kind of dedicated in that area of practice. There's no reason that applicants for legal aid should be treated less well than applicants for corporate legal advice. Uh, and in the corporate area, lawyers specialize and they become expert at, at what they do. Uh, and they can push forward their their client's uh, case more effectively because of that. And I think the same is true for the kind of clients that are served by legal aid. So that's why, I mean, we see in this report that, that distributed that there's some complaining about uh, a certain smaller number of lawyers being able uh, to take up these legal aid cases. And, and a lot of it has to do with lawyers who have dedicated their careers to providing uh, public service, uh, public interest law. It, it's not, it is as much a specialty as, as corporate law. So I think that's an important part. And I think in Hong Kong, uh, another aspect of this is very important right now is the context. In, in the recent uh, couple of years, we've seen the kind of rollback of, uh, you know, public empowerment in areas of, of electing officials uh, in the public uh, arena and public debate and so on. Uh, and so the courts are very important. Access to justice is very important. Uh, it may be one of the few avenues in which ordinary people who are deprived in various ways have access to, uh, to, to state their grievances and to, to get a response. And, of course, if they're a defendant, that's a very important matter because they could wind up incarcerated under very severe laws that are now being applied, in, in especially regarding political speech. And so with some of the lawyers, the people I talked to about this, and, and, you know, I have not been a legal aid lawyer in Hong Kong, uh, rather a professor, uh, there, there's a kind of suspicion that what's really going on here is an attempt to uh, silence the lawyers who are more active in representing public interest, uh, and that especially that when this comes to defendants who are protesters and, and involved in these many uh, prosecutions that have occurred under public order laws and under now the national security law, that somehow these lawyers are pushing their clients' cases too aggressively, and so we should 
find a way to, you know, kind of water it down so every Tom, Dick, and Harry lawyer can uh, be a solid case and whether that person has the expertise that we're talking about or not. So I think there's a lot of suspicion that the government's going to have to allay in this area. And, of course, the same applies when it comes to the statement in the report that there's too much uh, request for judicial review. Uh, again, if people have very little access to uh, the government, it's a very undemocratic system, then judicial review becomes a critical element, even in Chinese history. The idea that you could petition uh, if local officials didn't represent you well was, was something that was considered important, although it's run into trouble as well on the mainland in recent years with black jails and things trying to inhibit that. So I think there's a lot of concern in Hong Kong about, you know, access to justice, about protecting people, and a lot of worry that this is just another uh, case of trying to, uh, you know, in effect silence the opposition. Uh, those lawyers that are, are trying to be taken out of legal aid uh, are identified as, uh, in some ways in this report as part of that opposition. So, so um, are you saying that if uh, a defendant is assigned uh, a lawyer um, by the legal aid department, it may not get uh, such good representation than if the defendant was able to choose his own lawyer? That's exactly right. And, and it's not always the case that you choose a lawyer. I mean, we, we choose lawyers who are not well good as well. So it, there's no perfection here. I think Priscilla made that point as well. There's no perfection. But I think the idea that someone can choose their own lawyer, and, and in fact the complaint that these lawyers tend to be a certain group of them who are more uh, commonly taking these legal aid cases, I think that, that's a good thing, that these lawyers have some kind of expertise, and they're people who in their practice and in their firms are looking out for the public interest. So um, if if we cut back on their access to legal aid, we cut back on public interest a lot harder. Michael Davis, what about Priscilla Lang's uh, argument that, um, well, for example, when you go to the public hospitals, uh, you don't really have the right uh, to um, uh, to a certain doctor, but uh, the doctors, uh, you know, are on a roster system, and they have different uh, specialists and and who could attend to you. Would would that would that be a good analogy? Well, I think these cases aren't very comparable. Uh, I don't know about most people, but I I see what lawyers do. It's publicized in the public arena. Court cases are reported on, uh, and we come to know those people who we might trust to be fully committed to what what we're seeking. But when it comes to visiting the public hospital, uh, I only know that there may be specialists and so on, and a few wealthy people might be able to choose their doctors in Hong Kong. I, I was occasionally, as a university professor, sent to a specialist downtown. But the average person really doesn't know that the doctors that are offered at the public hospital that much. Uh, and so it's not a comparable case uh, because they have no way of, of being a good consumer as they would when it comes to more visible public services offered by lawyers. Um, Priscilla Lung, um, it has been suggested uh, that this uh, proposal may not be uh, in compliance with Basic Law Article 35, which uh, guarantees a, a choice of lawyers. Do you have any thought about that? Um, no, 
let me let me respond to uh, Michael's um, worries. In fact, uh, when we talk about reform, we cannot face the worry uh, on speculations. We have to look at uh, the statistics and data, and I have taught judicial review at the university law school for more than 20 years. I did teach a number of law graduates who love to uh, take cases on judicial review. I am very fond of judicial review myself. So um, that is nothing to do with whether we would like to undermine judicial review. Vice versa, we would like to give more opportunities to um, more lawyers who got the chance to uh, um, participate in the cases while with a fairer distribution of case. Definitely, who is good at which field? It is not difficult for us in the community to know, legal community. So the director, as well as the decision maker, do attribute the case to a particular senior counsel or counsel or even a solicitor firm. We were based on experience. No lawyer, I am sure, would like to lose their case. So when you speak for your client at the court, you would not remember your political color or your, which party you belong. No. Lawyers would like to win their case. This is their reputation. So no one will compromise the chance to win a case because of what has been speculated by Michael. That is what really I understood from all my students who graduate in the past 20, 30 years. They won't want to lose their case, right? So the the thing is whether we trust the court as well as we do lay our assessment to the system. The system has been challenged by the public as what I have seen that phenomenon that may be cases uh, uh, focused on different, uh, just a, num a few number of firms. But yes, expertise. We will have expertise on different areas of law based on different training and experience. And a young lawyer may follow a senior counsel and then they become experienced in a particular case. So that's why in our system we have counsel, senior counsel, etc. But that doesn't mean that the same team always have all the same kind of cases. No other person, other law firm could participate because they have never taken one case on a judicial review, for example. But legal aid is not only talking about judicial review. We talk about the whole system. The, as I told, um, I, 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 as I spoke in at the Legislative Council, the first complaint came from lawyers. They said they walked up to the legal aid department and, and uh, in, in the past year before I became a legislator. And that's why I always have that heart that I need to um, look into this legal aid system because I did have many complaints from different lawyers saying that the legal aid system is not as fair as it looks like. And only in recent years that there have been more discussion on this judicial review thing, whether they only focus on different firms. But the whole legal aid system needs to be looked into. Okay, secondly, I, when we look at this Article 35 of the Basic Law, 
It talks about uh, the right to confidential legal advice. I, I, that is guaranteed, right? Access to court. Choice of lawyers for timely protection of their law cases. Choice of lawyers. There are still a number, for example, the roster list. Like arbitra- I am an arbitrator of international arbitration. I am in the list of arbitration. Okay? So, um, the lawyers, also we would like to invite someone, but the client need to pay themselves. If we really want to choose a, a, particular law, a particular lawyer for a particular firm. But if you are based on public funding, I think the choice of lawyer is based on the expertise. Okay? If you find a lawyer who is only specialized in civil law, and you ask them to uh, take up a case on criminal law, then you need to justify. Uh, Priscilla, what, what, what about um, yeah? What, what about the importance of trust between a client and lawyer? You know, um, you know, regardless of political color, uh, there are certain clients who already know certain um, lawyers, uh, and they have already built mutual trust beforehand, and so. Um, can they also suggest to the legal aid department that uh, they would like to nominate someone? Is is that fair? Uh, they may indicate it to the legal aid department, but they should not have the final say. Mm. Because the temptation, as I said, is that there is a, a lot of um, cases that we talk about suspicion, okay? The public suspect that. It is like the whole thing is planned. The case actually doesn't have a chance. And then the lawyer tells them, the solicitor and then barrister, and then the whole team apply for legal aid because they're very experienced of the system. They got the legal aid and then they go to go up to the court. So we did not want to have uh, the wastage of public funding in those ways. And also not to have a biased view that only particular lawyers can take a particular case. And that's why, that's exactly what happened in the legal community. It divides our legal community into different colors because only those lawyers who have a particular political color can take up certain cases. If you swap, maybe the situation already different because lawyers are supposed, when you go up to the court, you won't have political color. You want to speak the best for your client. Based on the code of conduct, you cannot lie. But you want to win the case, right? Uh, yeah, Michael Davis? Yeah, well, you know, I've taught a lot of students about judicial review. Of course, to show up on them. Uh, and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think people trust their lawyer. They need to feel this lawyer's in their camp. He's dedicated to them. Uh, lawyers, of course, want to be professional, but I recall, even myself, I was a legal aid lawyer uh, in Hawaii, where I'm from, uh, and uh, I recall that was during the Reagan administration, and they were trying to cut back the legal aid services. In, in, in the U.S., legal aid is, is a, a uh, separate. that It's not just a funded element in, in legal services, but legal aid offices are set up. Uh, and so, uh, and there are two categories, public defenders and legal aid. So they all specialize. They, they only work on legal aid and or public defenders. Public defenders are, handle criminal cases. 
and that's the expertise that that uh, can be achieved if people are dedicated to that kind of public service, to serving the poor. Uh, and so uh, I think you get greater expertise that way, but you also get greater trust uh, in the system uh, when people can choose their own lawyer. And I think to say well, uh, that uh, the accusation that these legal aid lawyers who are doing most of the legal aid work are politicizing, I mean, let's face it, the government has politicized uh, pretty much all of these prosecutions in public order and under the NSL and so on, that, that this has become hyper-political. Uh, judges are attacked for, for not going along or if they, they don't decide things the way the government wants it. So it's a very politicized environment, and it, it requires, I think, a kind of energy to stand up to the system and speak truth to power, to, to stand in front of a judge and highlight it with dedication what's going on. This is not just something that every lawyer is going to be dedicated to or committed to. And I think in that context, then it becomes important that okay. people perceive uh, that this is being done really just to silence uh, people who uh, are in opposition to uh, try to have less vigorous defenses when it comes to many of these prosecutions over public order and so on. So there's a strong element of distrust and that this move itself is a politicization. Okay. Okay. I would like to have a response. Yeah, I'm sorry, Priscilla Lung. Sorry, can you can you hold that until just after nine o'clock? Because we've got to take a break for the news. We'll be back. We'll be back. We need to comment on that. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Yes, we'll do. Stay with us. So, a quick look at the weather. Sunny periods. A top temperature of around 28 degrees. One or two light rain patches at night. The outlook. Sunny periods in the next couple of days. Uh, currently it's 24 degrees. Humidity is at 67%. Okay. And welcome back to Backchat uh, with uh, Ada Wong and me, Jim Gould. Um, and this morning we're talking about uh, proposed uh, changes to the uh, legal aid system. Uh, LegCo's legal services panel will examine uh, a government paper this afternoon proposing that legal aid recipients in criminal cases will no longer be able to choose their own lawyers uh, unless there are exceptional circumstances. Instead, the director of legal aid uh, will assign lawyers uh, to defendants. Um, we have with us uh, several guests. Uh, uh, we have uh, uh, Michael Davis, Global Fellow at the Woodrow Wilson International Centre for Scholars in Washington and former Professor of Law at the University of Hong Kong. Uh, we're also now joined on the line by Lawrence Ma, who's Chairman of the Hong Kong Legal Exchange Foundation. And also with us is uh, Priscilla Leung, Business and Professionals Alliance lawmaker and Associate Professor at uh, City University's School of Law. And Priscilla Leung, you were making a point uh, just before we ha had to break for the news, so uh, please continue. Okay, thank you. Um, in fact, the more I heard from uh, Michael, I would uh, support to present reform more. As I said, every lawyer, when they speak in front of the court, they are supposed to be politically colorblind. Well, you believe to, you, you belong to the blue camp or opposition camp, which camp, whatever. As a lawyer, being professional, when you take up a case, you will speak the best for your client based on the code of conduct. So if what Michael said 
uh, concerning human rights cases, it cannot be assigned to a particular group of lawyers. Only to the group of lawyers may be prominent uh, in the opposition camp, for example. That would give a, a big difficulty to this legal aid, as well as uh, tremble the image of judicial review. Because people would think that only those lawyers who belong to the opposition camp would launch judicial review. The, re the point is not the case, okay? Whenever we look at a case, we look at whether there are merits, okay? And you choose the lawyer, it should be based on the criteria of ability and expertise. It's not their political view. If there are more chances for the lawyers as alleged that they might belong to different camps, they no more take up the cases because of this border, this boundary of politics. It would be healthier for judicial review as well as healthier for the legal aid system and for our court because we, we also need to trust the ability and the and the expertise of our court. So you can't just say only certain lawyers, they would be dedicated to fight for the rights of a particular group of people. I have the experience to refer some cases who came to my office to seek for help, they are young people. I recommend them to a lawyer whom definitely in the eyes of Mike would belong to the pro-government camp, they would say so. But in fact, the whole thing is different. They would really try to speak for the client to their utmost benefit. That is what I share with my own students. No matter what kind of political belief you have, once you take up a case, you are a lawyer. You should act professionally. You should speak for the best of your client but you also have to adhere to professional ethics. This is the job of a lawyer, okay. the role of lawyer in the public okay. arena. This okay. is what I want to say and respond to my colleagues. Okay, thank you. Well, uh, let, let's hear also from uh, uh, let's hear from Lawrence Ma. Lawrence Ma, good morning to you. Morning. Good morning, uh, Chairman. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Yes, I thought the the public would be very concerned as to the issue is whether an accused can dictate his or her, his or her choice of lawyer in our legal aid system. Um, so we, we go to, as well as, that, that's what the Bar Association has drawn our attention to Article 35, uh, 35 of the Basic Law, which says that uh, we, the accused can have um, a choice of lawyers. And if you, look where, if you look at where the Basic Law actually comes from, uh, it actually draws a resemblance from, our ICCP, from the ICCPR. Now, um, the ICCPR also said that there, there is um, the accused can um, have a lawyer of his own choosing, which is a, a protected right. Now, if you then look, I, I've taken the chance to look further into this issue, and uh, as for Hong Kong courts, when they um, have to interpret Article 35, they will inevitably look at comparative jurisdictions. <laughs> Um, then if you look at the European Convention of Human Rights, there is also a similar provision, um, similar to our Article 35. Now, if you look at the decision there, the European Court of Human Rights, the decision is, uh, as a general rule, 
the accused choice of lawyers should be respected. But pausing there, does it mean that the accused has a right to dictate his own lawyer? Um, then there is a case um, in 2003 uh, in Lagerberg and Sweden where the accused was a Finnish person who speaks Finnish only, and the trial was to be conducted in Sweden, in Sweden by Swedish law. Um, he was charged for um, assault and road traffic offences. He wanted a lawyer to be able to speak Finnish um, to represent him, but uh, that was refused, and that person accused, uh, appealed all the way to the uh, Strasbourg European Court of Human Rights. And the European Court of Human Rights found that uh, because, the, um, because of uh, Sweden has already given that accused person an interpreter who speaks um, who, who was able to speak uh, uh, Finnish. So the, the, the principle that the European Court of Human Rights lays down was that although the wishes of the accused must be taken into account, the choice of legal aid lawyers is ultimately for the state. Now that is the legal principle and that's how the European Court of Human Rights interprets our Article 35 curriculum. So we ask ourselves, is the right to dictate a lawyer in our system a constitutional right? Very likely it is not. Then if we ask ourselves, does the legal aid ordinance give us the accused um, a, a right to dictate lawyers? Of course it, is, it doesn't. I've looked, I've looked into it, to that. So at the end of the day, it is only an administrative consideration which is a factor for the um, legal aid department to consider uh, when the accused put forward uh, a name of lawyer of his choice. So the uh, answer appears to me to be that the accused in Hong Kong cannot dictate a lawyer of his own choice in our legal aid system. And, and, and also uh, uh, Ronnie Tong, uh, the executive councillor and uh, barrister, uh, was arguing the other day that, well, um, you know, talking about Article 35, uh, uh, the accused still has a choice. He can accept the, 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 the lawyer put forward by the director of legal aid or he, or he can pay for his own lawyer. That's, uh, that still amounts to a choice of legal representation, doesn't it? That's true, but the, the, the research I've done is actually on particularly on, of course, where there, there's mm -hmm. always a choice of mm -hmm. some lawyers in all the system, but, yeah. but my research um, is focused on... Lawrence Smart, yeah. Sure. In addition yeah. to the right to nominate lawyers, um, I think um, now um, uh, you know there will be a limited right. W what about the, the legal aid department's suggestion um, that um, there should be a quota of legal aid cases uh, for lawyers? So for judicial review cases, um, uh, solicitors can only accept a maximum of five per year, while the cap is three for counsels. How how do you see that? Why 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 yeah. do we need a quota system? Well, I thought that was to, uh, the, the purpose of that is to demolish the system of oligopoly because it seems that in Hong Kong, the uh, human rights and other civil uh, criminal law cases have been um, uh, 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 distributed to a handful uh, or particular few groups of lawyers who, who does that. So um, it, it is to, um, as the government said, is for, it, it is to um, facilitate competition and to train uh, other lawyers uh, who would be able to have more experience in these areas. Mm. Uh, uh, Michael Davis, uh, yeah. hello, are you still with yeah, us? Well, yeah, my big, yes, I am. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, my big concern 
here is really about people trusting the system. Uh, and I think the perception, and this is what the government has to deal with, the perception of uh, taking away people's low-income people's right to choose their lawyer uh, in a criminal defense case, the perception is that this is an attempt to manipulate uh, the process. And, and whether uh, Priscilla believes that or not, that, that will be the perception, since there's been so many other areas where people's rights uh, to access to the system have been cut back. And so I think this is just adding, uh, you know, wood on the fire. Uh, and uh, I think the trust element is going to be there. And so if we pretend that uh, all, all lawyers are, are just sort of apolitical, I think that that's not true. Of course, all of them come with a political position. And yes, they're required to behave professionally. They either can convince the court or they cannot based on the strength of their arguments. So I don't think, I think that's a red herring. Uh, the lawyers want to do their job. But I think the fact that this is all raised in this way shows exactly why this is being put through. It's being put through to uh, basically deal with the, the, the idea that they don't want the sort of so-called opposition camp of people or lawyers who are identified, civil rights lawyers are often identified with the other side. And they don't want uh, these people dominating the system of legal aid. And I think that pretty much gets uh, to the heart of the matter. And so that's where the trust is at. Now, we can make all kinds of arguments about, you know, what is done here and what is done there. But ultimately, we want the people of Hong Kong to trust the legal system. And, and this, I think, is adding uh, wood to the fire. Um. Uh, are there, uh, Lawrence Ma, are there many barristers uh, who are uh, happy and interested to um, to handle judicial review cases? Um, uh, according to the consultation paper, 82 out of 87 cases in 2020 went to just um, 37 barristers. So, so I guess, um, uh, first of all, there is the nomination procedure, but perhaps... Um, um, you know, most barristers and uh, most barristers um, don't really like to take on judicial review. Well, as you know, lawyers and barristers are like doctors; they specialize in matters. Um, for myself, I don't do any um, judicial review matters. I, I focus on equity and trust law. Um, but of course, if someone who's interested in that um, and that person definitely has certain trainings, they go, they probably go into administrative process um, so that they there would be always uh, lawyers who would be able to take up the work. Um, because at, 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 at present, it seems the work has been focused on a number of uh, very experienced, very senior lawyers who have established a, a, a relationship with the legal department, and they were given uh, or assigned a lot of those cases because of their uh, against their experience, but also their, their rapport and relationship. Um, that has to be broken, broken down, and that's the aim of the policy, is to break down that sort of uh, collusion uh, because of a relationship between uh, experienced barristers and the department. It seems that the department has now have to give those cases to some of uh, uh, those uh, who are more junior, and, 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 but of course they can be, still be able to provide adequate service uh, to, the, to the client. Okay. But how, how do we make sure that um, uh, the legal aid department understands uh, uh, which barrister specializes in which area? Is it pretty clear to to them? 
Yes, of course. Every case that we've conducted and every champions we go in, that or that, that we have our name on the case. So if that person has a name on the case, or has, for example, written articles and books on that sort of area, that is a preliminary indication of that person's interest. Uh, because barristers are different from uh, medical specialists. Where medical specialists, they have psychiatrists, they have orthopedic surgeons. Whereas barristers, they they are different. We, we don't have that sort of uh, a precise classification. So how do you look at the experience of barristers other than his experience, his experience, experience in court, in case he, the articles is written and the professional uh, 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 journals is published and the books that he has written. So if, if that, that would give a good indication of that of the experience of, of, of the Okay, okay, okay. Well, uh, thank you uh, very much. Uh, we've come to the end of our time for this uh, topic this morning. Um, thank you to uh, Lawrence Ma there, who you heard, who's uh, chairman of the Hong Kong Legal Exchange Foundation. Um, thank you to Michael Davis, uh, Global Fellow at the Woodrow Wilson International Centre for Scholars in Washington and a former professor of law at the University of Hong Kong. Um, thank you uh, earlier. <coughs> we heard from uh, Priscilla Lone, Business and Professionals Alliance lawmaker and uh, associate professor at uh, City University's uh, School of Law. Um, I do have a, a number of emails which have uh, just arrived, actually, um, on this topic, but I'm going to save them uh, until the end of the programme because we're now uh, joined uh, by another guest for our second topic, and, and with us uh, in the studio uh, we have uh, Professor Chu Jian Wen from the Department of Biology at Hong Kong Baptist University, uh, who is here to uh, talk about... Uh, the discovery of new coral and sea slug uh, species, uh, species in uh, Hong Kong's uh, marine uh, surrounding waters, uh, which uh, outline the territory's uh, marine uh, biodiversity. Um, good morning to you, uh, Professor Chu. So uh, could you uh, just tell us a, a little bit more about these uh, new corals and uh, sea slugs that you've discovered? Uh, good morning, Jane. Uh, thank you for the invitation. Yeah, and it's uh, um, actually um, a rather rare find, um, and we didn't expect uh, this kind of finding because um, um, corals and nudie branch they are quite uh, attractive to people, uh, mm. especially to divers. So uh, people see them all the time. Um, they're very attractive, very colorful. Right. Like this? Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Professor's okay. holding up some pictures for us. Yeah. Uh, um, we have to yeah. put it on yeah. our yeah. That's, that's right, we'll do it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, we uh, found this uh, um, new species because we have been doing some research on the health status of corals in recent years, uh, including um, uh, sea urchins eating corals, causing them damage, and then uh, coral breaching due to high temperature in summer. And also recently, we have a project uh, studying the impact of um, coral eating nudin branch. Um, mm. Although normally they are small, uh, they don't cause a lot of damage, but when their populations are big, they can eat up a lot of coral tissue. That's why uh, we want to have some data, uh, some quantitative data of how many species mm -hmm. of coral-eating nudie branch uh, are in Hong Kong and um, how specific they are associated with the corals. Um, some species, they only 
uh, associated with um, one species of uh, a coral. Some may be associated with uh, uh, a number of species in the same family. So we want to have this kind of uh, mm. uh, data. Mm. And doing this kind of uh, studies, we discover one particular Ludi branch. Um, it's um, um, sun coral in deep water, and we collect those sun corals to determine the specificity. Mm -hmm. And uh, we notice um, the difference between uh, the morphology of this uh, pot potential new species and uh, a very common um, new spe uh, common species of sun coral in Hong Kong. So they are morphologically similar, very similar, and they live in the same environment. Mm. Um, so um, to confirm this is whether it's a, the same species or new species, we uh, look at the morphology, uh, and we also extract their DNA to look at the sequence uh, differences. And after this, we had some good idea, and we know this is a new species, and then we went ahead to describe uh, the coral species. So the new coral was discovered actually uh, when we uh, implement the Nudi Branch project. And of course, during the implementation of the Nudi Branch project, we collect Nudi Branch from uh, uh, different places, and we know in Hong Kong there are four species of uh, coral eating nudie branch right now, and two of them are new, uh, new species. Uh, so that's the uh, right. story of the discovery. So exactly where um, did you find this uh, new species? Uh, whereabouts in Hong Kong? Uh, they are very common in Hong Kong in the eastern waters, and but normally so you mean Saikong, Hoi Ha, yeah, yeah. Hoi Ha, that area. Uh, they they are. Um, um, for the coral, it may not be Hoi Ha because Hoi Ha is relatively shallow. But when you go to more exposed areas like Jinzhou, Dailong uh, Wan, uh, you will see them. Uh, they are in deeper water. And when you go diving. But what about the new species that you discovered? Are they, um, are they I mean, together with the, um, uh, you know, the more common species? Yes, yes, they are. Um, St. Patrick, they live together at, at the depths of uh, 15 to 30 meters. Mm. In Hong Kong, when we go snorkeling, we snorkel at uh, 1 to uh, 3 meters. And when go diving, normally we don't go down to 15 meters. Uh, because um, at that depth, uh, we don't see a lot of uh, corals. Uh, that's probably <coughs> one reason why people did not... Um, identify these corals before, uh, mm -hmm. but, but they are pretty common. Um, and they're um, quite similar to the other species. Uh, people normally see sun, sun coral, they normally see. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, a, a quick uh, transport uh, announcement to read out, uh, a, a traffic announcement from the transport department uh, owing to an emergency incident, uh, part of the lanes of Pokfalam Road in both directions near Queen Mary Hospital are still closed to all traffic. Uh, uh, okay, only remaining lanes are still available to 
motorists. Um, sorry, whatever that means. Uh, so, uh, j um, actually, just to uh, clarify, Professor, um, the nudie branches that you refer to, these, these are more commonly known as sea slugs, aren't they? Yes, uh, yes. They're, uh, mm. they're, um, yeah, they're gastropod mollusks. M sorry, mollusks. Uh, can you uh, describe a little bit more what they look like? And well, uh, they... Um, there are two species. Uh, one uh, look like the uh, uh, actually they look like host corals. They have uh, a lot of serrata. The actually these are the extensions of their arms yeah. on the body, and their body is surrounded by a, a circle mm -hmm. of this serrata. Well, and in the middle, right, there's right. a lump, yeah. and uh, that uh, resembles the coral mouth. Mm -hmm. So uh, it has a good uh, camouflage against the background. Um, so you don't see them e very easily, uh, but you can, s when, uh, you can see them if you look closer, and when you see their eggs, their eggs form ribbons, uh, very colorful ribbons, uh, orange ribbons. Mm. So when you see the orange ribbons uh, near coral, and you search for it, uh, very likely you'll see the nudie branch. So they are not very small. Uh, for this particular species, uh, which is called uh, Festilla goriophaga, which means, uh, literally means it is the uh, goriopona uh, coral. This, okay. this kind of coral is very right. special because right. normally corals do not have very long tentacles, mm. but mm. this group of coral, they have very long tentacles. Mm. Extending out even uh, during the daytime. In most corals, the tentacles are withdrawn. Mm. They <clears> only <throat> come out to eat at night. Okay. So it's not, uh, 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 I mean, very critical species. But the other one, uh, called Foscochitrieta, uh, uh, mm -hmm. is very cryptic. We didn't see any in the field. And we found them because we cultured a coral at called pavona or leaf coral in the lab. Mm. And um, during the outbreak, uh, we saw the tissues of the coral were all gone. And then when we uh, look at the damaged tissue, we saw this species. Uh, this species is very, very small and uh, with a maximum size of uh, 0.8 centimeter. And what do the discovery of these species tell us about the health of uh, Hong Kong's uh, marine biodiversity? Um, currently, there are uh, roughly uh, 6,000 um, marine animals and plants are found in Hong Kong. Mm. And um, Hong Kong is among the um, one of the few well-studied areas in terms of uh, marine biodiversity. Uh, in uh, Chinese waters. But um, our discovery shows that there's still a lot of unknown species over there waiting for us to discover. Mm. Wow. Wow. So 6,000 yeah. uh, may not seem a lot, yeah. but it's one fourth of the um, species diversity of marine right. Uh, right. animals and plants in the Chinese waters. Yeah. So are we doing wow. enough? Right. Is the government doing enough to preserve the biodiversity um, of our waters? <laughs> very hard to say. <laughs> um, what else could be done? Uh, because uh, the situation uh, for taxonomies around the world is that 
uh, not many young people um, want to go into this field. Um, so um, not a lot of uh, job opportunities for them. So um, it's basically a declining uh, business. Um, so with the implementation of the government's biodiversity plan, um, I hope there will be more opportunities for yeah, young people uh, to be trained uh, mm. to go into this field. Okay, well, thank mm. you very much for joining us uh, on the program this morning, uh, Professor Chu Jianyen of the Department of Biology at uh, Hong Kong Baptist University. That's very uh, interesting. Thanks, thank for, thanks for joining. Okay. Uh, okay. For sharing. Okay, okay. you're welcome. Uh, and just before we end the program then, um, as I mentioned, uh, we had a few emails uh, on our main topic earlier, which was about legal aid. Um, Alan writes... Uh, <coughs> Backchat, uh, behind all the waffle, the obvious purpose of these changes to legal aid are to make challenges to the government on any issue harder. Any uh, lawyers who annoy the government will be effectively blacklisted. Um, Carol Peterson uh, uh, writes, uh, Carol Peterson's been a regular contributor to this uh, programme over the years. Um, in addition to Article 35 of the Basic Law, Article 14 of the ICCPR also provides that everyone who is charged with a criminal offence has the right to legal assistance of his own choosing. Article 14 does not differentiate between those who pay for their own lawyers and those who receive legal aid. The right to choose one's own legal counsel is considered an important part of the right to a fair trial. The Hong Kong government is already going to have a difficult time persuading the UN Human Rights Committee that is still complying that it is still complying with the ICCPR. Why would it want to make that task even more difficult by taking away a person's right to choose his or her defence counsel? Um, Peter writes, uh, let's look at the numbers. Uh, in 1997, there were 112 applications for judicial review. In 2019, there were 3,889 cases clogging up the judicial system. Doesn't that alone indicate abuse of the process? Hong Kong's judicial review and legal aid system has been systematically abused by the pan-democrats who supported most cases and used them as a political tool and income generator. As a result, Hong Kong's legal aid system has become a multi-million dollar cottage business for the legal sector dominated by the pan-democrats. Many of them are also lawyers themselves or work closely with law firms that take up those legal aid cases. Um, S writes, uh, in public hospitals there are teams of doctors working and even if the doctor is not of your choice, they can openly team up and uh, work with others with specialised expertise to work together. It is different from having uh, no choice for a lawyer. Uh, and uh, very quickly, uh, <clears throat> another couple of uh, emails on the second topic from yesterday, which was the uh, decision by the Legislative Council to uh, pass the law uh, banning uh, e-cigarettes. Um, this one from James says, uh, uh, the guest at 9.28am, that was yesterday, recited an old misleading statistic from Public Health England that vaping is 95% safer than smoking. There is no scientific basis for this claim. It is widely used by tobacco companies and vaping lobbyists to promote vaping as safe. The 95% uh, 
safer estimate is a factoid, unreliable information repeated so often that it becomes accepted as fact, according to an editorial published in January 2020 in the American Journal of Public Health, written by six leading experts on e-cigarettes and public health authors. And there's a link. And... Um, Dr. Judith Mackay also uh, wrote to us saying, uh, Dear Backchat, it became quickly apparent uh, that contrary to the host expectations, YCU from the Heated Tobacco Concern Group was not a supporter of the recent ban. Uh, the opposite, the group is but one of uh, many tobacco industry vaping groups that have ferociously fought against the ban. This illustrates the problem that the tobacco industry, its allies and supporters use benign, healthy-sounding names, for example, uh, and then active in Hong Kong, says one, Foundation for a Smoke-Free World, funded solely by Philip Morris, two, Youth Smoking Prevention, funded by the tobacco industry, three, Heated Tobacco Concern Group, four, Courtesy of Choice, uh, five, Factasia, six, Tobacco Control Concern Group, whose membership includes uh, several tobacco companies. Seven, United Against Illicit Tobacco Globally. Other names include Eliminating Child Labour in Tobacco Growing uh, and Centre for Indoor Research. They speak of alliances, support groups, etc. It's easy to see how confusing this is for everyone. OK, um, we've overrun... Sorry about that. Um, we're going to have uh, a quick look at the weather before we go to the uh, news summary and morning brew. Um, Ada, thank you for thank being you, our co-host this morning. Um, the weather, sunny periods with a top temperature of around uh, 28 degrees, one or two light rain patches at night, uh, light to moderate northeasterly winds. The outlook, sunny periods in the next couple of days. There will also be one or two rain patches in the morning. It's currently 24 degrees, humidity 68%. The chief executive has announced the 2021 policy address. With the national security law and improved electoral system, Hong Kong is back on the right track of one country, two systems. We will continue to leverage our unique advantages to boost the economy. The artificial islands in the central waters and the northern metropolis development strategy will fundamentally resolve the land and housing problem. Building a bright future together, the 2021 policy address. The new summary with Vicky Wong. The financial sector is urging the government to do more to open up the SAR, warning that current quarantine measures could threaten the city's status as an international finance centre. The CEO of the Asia Securities Industry and Financial Markets Association, Mark 